more strange stories UK here again. Well, this is a short podcast on the burbot, a fish that may be extinct in the United Kingdom. This podcast is probably doomed to a low download figure, but I've enjoyed making it. Perhaps my worst download figure so far is for my podcast on Loch Ness Monster, when I hardly mention the monster at all, just those people that were devoted their lives to trying to prove that it existed. This podcast is something similar. Does the burbot still exist in UK waters? I've always been interested in the burbot. I've not gone fishing since I was a child. But then it was a passion. I would go out every week with my friends, sometimes when it was snowing, and spent my pocket money on tackle, especially a huge collection of colourful floats. I would regularly buy an angling newspaper, or if I could afford it, an angling magazine. Fishing is a passion, and if you've not experienced it, it's difficult to describe. Being free to discover new places, perhaps places where no one has ever known about. There are still lost places where I discovered as a child, and always intended to go back and fish. Deserted gravel pits, overgrown when I saw large dark shapes in the water. Rivers that were private, fishing where I'd cast my Meps minnow if I thought I could get away with it. I'd like to go fishing now, but I think that it may be harmful to any fish that I might catch. So it's doubtful that I'll ever go again. Going through books about fish, I recall the burbot as being a mysterious fish that none of my friends had ever caught. And hardly surprising being based in the New Forest. But it always remained a fish of interest for me, especially when I discovered that it was possibly the only British fish that became extinct in living memory from the UK. I never targeted the burbot as the information that I had held on it at the time was that it was found on the east coast of the UK, which was somewhere I'd never been to and unlikely to fish in the future as a young teen. I suppose it was about 15 when I stopped fishing, finding other pastimes. I had a collection of Observer books. I was a little disappointed in the uh, usually reliable Observer book of freshwater fish that names the Cam, the Ooze and the Trent as rivers as places to catch burbot. It didn't mention the Yorkshire rivers. The Observer books goes on to give other information such as breeding season, description of the adult fish and fry and so on. The Brookbond Tea Collecting Card issued in 1960, when it was still possible to catch a burbot in the UK, gave a very good brief description, which reads as follows. The burbot. It resembles a stocky eel and is found not very often in a few eastern rivers. A description is then given, and then the habitats are described as it lives in deep water hidden in weeds and under deep stones or entangled roots of banks coming out at night to hunt for small fish, frogs and other creatures. The average weight is about one and a half pounds. It may reach eight pounds, three to four kilograms. There are no angling records. In 2004, I bought a book on British fish from a second-hand bookshop in Bath. It was Frank Buckland's book on British fish published in 1880, a first edition It was published a few days after Buckland died. 
This book was priced at £80, but I bartered the bookseller down to £55. The book was in excellent condition and came with some newspaper cuttings, some of which were about the burbot. I wasn't sure which papers the articles were cut from. This cutting was from our own correspondent in Cambridge on September the 22nd, 1958. A week or earlier, the newspaper cutting had written in ink, 1958. But the internet says this happened in 1969. And I've since found the article was in the Times on loan newspaper archive. The short article states that Mr John Dean, aged 19, was fishing for eels in the Old West River at Oldreth, Cambridgeshire, during the night, when he caught one of Britain's rarest fish, a burbot. Mr Dean was a builder's clerk of Howard Road, Cambridgeshire. He took the fish home and asked his mother, who was a cleaner at Cambridge University, zoological department, to take it to work to get an identification. It identified the fish was a burbot, 15 inches long and weighed a pound. It's a pity that the fish was killed. I'd hope today that the photograph would have been taken so it could have been returned to the water. And I'm surprised that any young fisherman at that time would not have a copy of the Observer Book of Freshwater Fish that was first published in 1941. The fish caught by Mr Dean can be seen today at the Museum of Zoology at Cambridge. I've included a picture of the fish on the Facebook site. This fish is famous as it's the last definite sighting of a burbot in the UK, a primitive fish that survived in the UK for tens of thousands of years. The burbot, Lotta Lotta is the wonderful Latin name, is a fish often called the eel pout and the only member of the cod family found in fresh water. The distribution of the fish is described as extremely local and found almost exclusively on the east coast of the UK. Perhaps the best scientific study of the burbot was completed by Southampton University in 2010. Their report is available online. I think the driver of that report is Mr Worthington, who did his dissertation on the possibility of reviving the burbot as a British species. I'd assume that he's the British expert on the fish in the UK. The Southampton report, which was being made to ascertain the possibility of reintroducing a species that was thought extinct in the UK. They went through all the records that they could find of the burbot in the UK. It's seen they went far back as Tudor times, searching for sightings and stories. They found the fish had inhabited 42 rivers in the eastern England, ranging from the River Skern in County Durham to the River Blythe in Suffolk. Traces of the fish have been found in other rivers, including the Thames. The report stated that the burbot is a primitive fish and colonised the 42 UK rivers where it was found when 10,000 years ago the UK was still attached to mainland Europe, the UK being a peninsula of land where its river systems intertwined with the river systems of mainland Europe. These were part of the Rhine Basin, the retributaries of the Rhine. This was until the North Sea flooded the area known as Doggerland and isolated the UK making it an island. I'll briefly describe the burbot and its habits. 
It's been best described as a cross between an eel and a codfish. In the UK, the fish may attain a length of three feet. The weight's never very great. Eight pounds in weight, a little under four kilograms, is thought to be exceptional. Lake fish grow much bigger. In America, they attain 12 kilograms in lake, where they're an invasive species, and also in Canada. And it's advised that the fish should be destroyed if they're caught. Bubbert weighing as much as 9 kilograms have been caught in mainland Europe. One kilogram was the average weight of a mature adult fish in the UK when they lived here. As already stated, during the daytime the burbot was thought to hide in the deepest part of the river, emerging at night to feed. It will eat almost anything that lives in the river, small fish, frogs, insects, worms, even small mammals, birds and snakes, the burbot having rows of sharply pointed teeth. The burbot breed early in January and February, where they are said to go into a frenzy with groups of burbot entwined around each other. There are often a ball of perhaps 20 fish mating. The burbot can live for 20 years and they can reproduce after 5 years. The burbot's liver is 10% of its body weight. The fish overwinter in extreme climates under ice and it spawns early so it needs stored energy. It's said that it can survive being frozen solid. Because the habitat is dark and muddy, they don't need big eyes. They use their barbels to detect vibrations and catch their prey. They're described as ambush hunters, lying in wait in shooting out to catch their meals. The final comment in the Observer book shows that opinion is divided as to whether the burbot make good eating. They said the flesh is palatable, although hard to digest, but the liver when fried is said to be excellent. I have purchased foie de lot, the French for burbot's liver, being sold in a French supermarket at seven and a half euros a kilogram in 2021. I tasted it for the interest of this podcast. I pan fried it with shallots and garlic and olive oil, and I can report that I thought it tasted like Saint Jacques scallops, although it's often described as poor man's lobster, and I suppose it had a distinct lobster taste. I'm not sure that foie de lot is actually a burbot as it's described as being sourced in the Atlantic Ocean. I've also seen coup de lot or burbot's tail for sale in French supermarkets but it's always sold out by the time I try to purchase it. The Southampton University report considered the presence of burbot in three major river systems. They classified these as number one the Trent River system, and the River Ancholm, which is a tributary of the Humber. These waters flow through the counties of Staffordshire, Derbyshire, Leicestershire, Nottinghamshire, Lincolnshire, to the, Humber Estuary, uh, to the Humber Estuary, where it flows into the North Sea. Secondly, there's the Fen Rivers of Suffolk and Norfolk, which I think also includes Cambridgeshire. And thirdly, the Yorkshire Rivers. All these river systems have areas that are depth levels of water over 30 feet deep, 10 metres deep, in parts of the network, so quite deep. My thoughts here 
Given the propensity of a fish like the burbot to conceal themselves, it's quite likely they do exist somewhere, possibly in deep troughs and riverbeds. There are miles and miles of waterways in these river systems, which may be harbouring all sorts of different types of creature. Well, this is my own opinion. I have a suspicion that the burbot does still exist in UK waters. There have been some attempts to reintroduce the burbot, summoned by amateur people working by themselves, such as Frank Buckland in 1873, more of which later. Regarding the water authorities restocking rivers with burbot, it may be the case that they would keep quiet about reintroductions, at least until the species were properly established. Also, if anybody reported a burbot being caught, they, make, they might keep quiet about it, suspecting that the river authorities would try to net everything in the area to try to establish a burbot population. The Southampton report indicated that, contrary to long-accepted popular belief, the burbot has occupied a range of underwater environments in the UK, including quite small and shallow tributaries, previous think thinking they prefer the deepest areas and large slow-flowing rivers coming out at night to feed. Well, this might not be the truth. I won't go into detail about each river or river system as the report is available online. It describes the drainage systems of rivers and places where burbot have been recorded. I intend to just focus on a, some specific points of interest. It may seem that areas that have high burbot catches such as Nottingham, York and Cambridge may just reflect the number of fishermen that live in these areas. The Southampton report is very readable and doesn't use too much jargon or go into agonising detail over seemingly unimportant aspects. It's possible to skim read in a few minutes and it gives a lot of references. It breaks the report down into analysing the three river systems where the burbot was found in the past. So, the Trent River System. The Southampton Report describes the Trent River and the tributaries and records the burbot that ranged there. Records ranged from 1622 until 1965. In 1798, the Reverend Stebbing Shaw, who was some kind of amateur early geographer that printed pamphlets, he claimed that the burbot was a common fish in the tributaries of the river, giving one example of two large and 16 small burbot from one deep hole under a mill wheel in an unstated river in the system. The 19th century saw an increase in the recording of burbot in the River Trent, probably as a result of increasing knowledge, with the species generally described as being relatively common. Fishermen described catching up to 40 burbot in a single night using night lines baited with small fish. During this period, burbot was common enough to be sold at Nottingham Market at the price of six old pence a pound, which was about seven new pence a kilo, which for the time, to me, sounds quite expensive. Going back to the River Trent, it was reported that the biggest burbot ever recorded in the English rivers, weighing 8 pounds or 3.6 kilograms, was captured by Sir Gervais Clifton. In the River Trent, or River Trent literature seems to show a decline in the mention of the burbot, and it started to be described as scarce and rare during the 19th century, until the last recorded capture was a fish, a rather small example 
taken near Nottingham in 1965. Doncaster angler Alf Kitchen was a highly regarded fisherman and said that the Berber occupied holes under the banks of the river Idle, which was a tributary of the Trent, until the 1950s. The Berbert was confirmed in some local rivers, tributaries of the Trent, by local anglers during the 1950s, although the reports were unconfirmed. In general, the report found that the Berbert in the Trent catchment area appears to be low numbers by the beginning of the 20th century. The Berbert, once described as being abundant in the River Witham, which was a deep river, 12 feet or 2.5 metres, during the 19th century, and the Berbert was sold at the same price at Lincoln Market as eels, indicating their abundance. Going on to the Norfolk and Suffolk rivers, or the Fenland rivers, the Fenland rivers of Lincolnshire, Cambridgeshire and Norfolk, were also considered a stronghold for the Burbet, which was recorded in the majority of its rivers. The Southampton report considers the rivers of Suffolk and Norfolk as a separate entity. Records of the Burbet from the easterly flowing rivers of the Norfolk and Suffolk are scarcer than those from the Trent or the Yorkshire river systems. However, the Yar, the Burr and the Waveney rivers were once supported Burbet populations, although relatively low abundance. Records from the river Waveney range from 1845 to 1969, which was the last sighting. Various descriptions from books about fishing and natural history from 1666, far of London, tell of sightings of the fish in the rivers Yar, the Burr, the Blythe and the Waveney. It was also caught in the man-made shallow lakes of Norfolk Broads by the end of the 19th century, by which time it was said to become quite rare. The Great River Ooze, a historically important river course for commercial navigation, and its tributaries provided a majority of reports of the Burbet, with the species described as common at the beginning of the 20th century, up until the 1930s, when, although some reports said it was rare by the 1930s. The fish was caught up until at least the 1960s. Strongholds of the fish were thought to be the River Ouse, and its tributaries the Wissy, the Lark and the Little Ouse. The Old West River, the Fet, and the River Cam. By 1970, the Burbet was still being recorded in a number of the Great Ouse tributaries. Then we come on to the Yorkshire Rivers. In the Yorkshire Rivers, Burbet were recorded in 16 rivers draining into the Humber, as well as the River Skern, a tributary of the River Tees, and the River Esk. The Yorkshire Rivers were considered to be the most likely to produce a Burbet most likely place to catch one. The River Derwent, being considered a hot spot for the Burbet, where night lines were baited with minnows and the fish hauled in the next morning. It was said that the Burbet was still being caught in reasonable numbers up to the 1930s. Catch reports in the Fishing Gazette magazine had records of Burbet being caught in the Ouse, the Bedell Beck and the Yorkshire Derwent between 1900 to 1920. One fish was recorded at weighing at nine pounds or four kilograms. After the war, it was said to be very 
The burbot was said to be very, very rare in the River Derwent. The fish was caught in the river up to the 1960s. Then substantiated reports up to the mid-1980s. Records from the, the Yorkshire Derwent range from 1713 to 1985. It seems that fishing records from as late as the 80s, 1980s and 1990s had possible burbot catches recorded as some type of catfish by match organisers. In 1996, a Whitby schoolboy caught a fish at the River Esk, which seemed to be a burbot, but it was released without any evidence being taken. It has since been suggested that this may have been an eelpout or viviparous blenny, which could have been confused with a burbot being common around the UK coasts and known to travel up rivers and looking very similar to the burbot. The Angling Times launched a competition to catch a burbot in the late 1970s with a cash prize. I think it was £100. The competition went on for some months. Fish looking similar to the burbot, such as the rockling, were known to have been left dead by jokers in rivers, hoping that the local press would report a burbot being found and that someone would try to claim the cash reward, which would be an amusement for them. The River Ouse and the River Wharf were also considered burbot hotspots, while the numbers caught fell away quicker than the River Derwent. The burbot was considered uh, comparatively common at the end of the 19th century in some rivers, and scarce in others. A report mentioned Harwood Brearley, the Yorkshire historian who specialised in burbot fishing in the early 20th century. He fished the Yorkshire Ouse, the Lower Derwent and the Wharf and the River Hull, with a certain amount of success in catching the fish on lobworms. The report said that in rivers such as the Yorkshire Derwent, the Great Ouse, the Little Ouse and the Cam, burbot appeared to have persisted in reasonable numbers until at least the 1930s, although the limited quantitative data makes comparisons difficult. There had been no methodical survey of the burbot in Britain waters until the 2010 assessment by Southampton University. It's been established that the species survived in England until at least the 1960s, while more recent sightings raised the possibility of a remnant of the population as late as the 1980s. Sometimes later reports made the media. In 2010, Emmanuel Huvet claimed to see a burbot on the Great Ouse below the sluice gate of the Pike and Eel pub and Needingworth in Cambridgeshire. He said he was fishing for perch with his partner when they spotted two marble brown two-foot-long fish, which he was certain were burbot, a species that he'd caught on the River Cher near the Bourges in France on numerous occasions, he said. Emmanuel Hovet had a master's degree in fisheries and he spotted the fish in clear water about one metre deep, and he was certain that they were burbot. Sometimes burbot was spotted in rivers, though we never thought to contain the fish. The Angling Times from July 2010 recorded a sighting in from the River Eden, a river that flowed out to the sea in the northwest Britain. Lifelong angler John Kitson from Norwich, who had a who saw a mystery two-and-a-half-feet-long fish, fish rested his feet for five minutes while he was wading a stretch of the River Eden in Cumbria. He said the fish was unlike anything I'd seen in 40 years of angling. 
It was blotchy with a rounded head, a long dorsal fin and stubby little tail. I'm positive it wasn't a catfish or lamprey. A friend suggested it may be a burbot. When I got home, I googled it online and I thought, my God, that's it. I felt privileged that I'd seen a fish that was supposed to be extinct. I can guarantee that it's not, he added. But there must be some doubt about this sighting, which doesn't really seem credible. Just to complicate the picture, there's another fish that looks similar to the burbot called the snakehead. This fish has become notorious as an intentional released invasive species. These fish have been kept as pets, but as they get larger, people let them go into ponds, lakes and rivers, making the fish invasive. This has proved such a problem in the USA that it's illegal to even own a snakehead in some American states. They've been recorded in UK rivers, such as the River Witham, where a 2008 newspaper report likened uh, the fish habitats to that of the piranha fish. Ben Weir captured the fish. He writes to the Angler's Mail newspaper. The Sun newspaper called the fish a potential man-eating fish, but the environmental agency said that it's no more dangerous than a, the native pike. I will post a picture of Ben Weir on the Facebook site with his uh, snakehead fish that he caught. The snakehead's able to survive days out of water, and like the eel, they crawl across the ground to reach other uh, watercourses. I'll post a picture on the uh, Facebook site of both fish, as I think they look very similar. In 2007, a fishery scientist, Ian Welby, then a lecturer at the Brooksby Melton College, and also incidentally I think he took part in the Southampton University report, bred Burbot as part of a plan to eventually reintroduce the species to UK rivers. He said that we don't know all that much about the nation's rivers, river authority fishery surveys aren't that extensive, and anglers don't fish them that much, so isolated populations could have survived undetected all these years. It's unlikely but possible. He said it's true that fishing has declined in popularity during the 21st century. I'm not sure where Welby was trying to reintroduce the species, but recent attempts were attempted at the Ministry of Defence lands at Bodney Bridge on the River Wissey in Norfolk, where there are some deep holes in the riverbed. There have also been attempts to reintroduce the burbot in the River Trent, the Guardian newspaper had an article in 2020 about attempts to reintroduce the burbot to the Norfolk rivers, which blame agriculture and heavy metal pollution, dredging and removal of vegetation from riverbanks for the degradation of water quality and habitat loss since the 1940s, and gave this as the reason for the recent extinction of the burbot. The argument is that the water quality has improved and toxic agri-chemicals are no longer washing into watercourses, so perhaps that's uh, a good reason for trying to re-establish the species. The burbot has been successfully reintroduced into Belgium and Germany, and Tosny said there have been several river valleys in the East Anglian Fens with good floodplains that could be ideal habitat, and possibly in conjunction with beaver introductions, as beavers create burbot-friendly habitats. The Norfolk Rivers Trust hopes to raise £80,000 to fund a five-year reintroduction plan, pilot plan.
Because of the high mortality rates from young fish, hundreds of thousands of young burbot will be reared in captivity from eggs bought from European hatcheries. The fish would be released only after high-quality habitats have been restored to give the fish a chance to survive. However, if climate change was the reason for their demise, this would be an unsolvable problem, as the fish needs to breed in water that does not exceed 13 degrees and is well oxygenated. Natural England seemed to have reservations about reintroduction. They wondered if there were still native burbots still in the UK river systems. The uh, UK burbot was slightly different genetic stock to those being used to restock from Belgium and Germany. There are also concerns that they may introduce parasites into the UK, which I thought rather unlikely if they'd been reared from eggs. Also, there have been other invasive species that have been introduced to river systems, such as the Xander and the Welsh catfish, that may have taken the role of indigenous burbot, as already mentioned, possibly also the snakehead. This may make it difficult for the fish to re-establish as the invasive species are quite aggressive. There's a webinar on the YouTube from the Norfolk Rivers Trust discussing the possible reintroduction of the burbot, which was filmed during March 2020. That was replacing a public meeting that was to be held but cancelled during the COVID lockdown. That might prove interesting. I found it interesting anyway. Another restocking attempt was foiled when Jim Reader of Nottingham University was planning to put 150 Czech burbot into the River Trent. He was denied permission by the river authorities, as have others that have legally tried to restock the rivers. The next newspaper cutting that I came across was from a column called Nature's Byways. This seemed to be a local newspaper, judging from the stories on the back of the cutting, which were about Lowestoft in Suffolk. This article refers to the name Eelpout, or Viviparus Blenny. This article claims that the fish was well known to fishermen around East Anglia, or the East Anglian coast, as it was often caught by hook or in nets. They're often abundant in harbours and brackish waters and estuaries. The Norfolk naturalist A.H. Patterson, speaking about a hundred years ago, said that Bradeners used to take eel pout in large numbers in brackish water. I take this to refer to Braden water, which is the wide expanse of ooze flat and tidal water lying inland from Yarmouth in Norfolk. It's the estuary of three main rivers, the Yar, the Burr and the Waveney, which form a large part of the Norfolk Broads, which of course is Burbot habitat. The article goes on to report that in the past the eel pout was another name for the burbot, which was once common in the River Yar and other Norfolk rivers, especially around Norwich. Patterson had a houseboat called the Moorhen and would use Braden, uh, a Braden punt to get around. The Braden punts were a boat common sight on the Norfolk broads. They were used by naturalists and wildfowlers. They offered different slightly according to the wishes of the boat owners. They were flat-bottomed and had a roomy central well. They had a rudder and a lug sail. These boats would travel around the flats that were awash with a succulent waterweed known as widgeon grass locally. Widgeon grass was Rupia maritina, which rested in matted masses on the mudflats when the tide went out. This plant was able to tolerate salty and alkaline water 
and found in the estuaries and was a good hiding place for the fish. Patterson said the eel pout was a great delicacy as eels. The locals called them green bones as on being cooked their backbones turned a bright emerald green and like those of the garfish. He also wrote that the fish gave birth to fully formed young instead of laying eggs. The fry remained in the brew pouch like a kangaroo pocket which confirmed that he was referring to the viviparous blenny and not the burbot. Then the article goes on to quote Sir Thomas Brown, a naturalist who lived in Tudor times and wrote of eel pouts, which he also called spotted burbot and conifish, which were a cross between an eel and a codfish. It seems that the term eel pout could cause confusion, although I'd assume that Patterson was well aware of the differences between the different species, although it was later claimed that Patterson never actually saw a burbot in his lifetime although he lived in an area where they were regularly caught. This suggests that they were never common. Another cause of confusion being the numerous taxonomic divisions proposed for the burbot. For example, Latin names of Lota Lota, Lota vulgaris, the Gadus Lota, and a variety of common names for the burbot, such as barbot, conifish, ling, eelpout. Frank Buckland's 1880 book, The Natural History of British Fishes, gave the local names for the burbot as blobkite, burbolt, conifish, eelpout. Buckland actually calls the fish burbolt and the Latin name as Lotta vulgaris. I would say that Buckland was a leading authority of fish in the UK during the later Victorian period. Buckland described the burbot as local but not uncommon in the River Trent around Nottingham in Gainsborough. He said at the time of writing, the book was published in 1880, it was found in the rivers of Yorkshire, especially the River Swale. It was found in Durham, Norfolk, Lincolnshire and Cambridgeshire. Buckland says of the burbot, they're such a stupid and ugly fish they can barely bother to describe them. Burbot also said that the burbot is especially numerous in the lakes of Uchantal, also mentioned in the Observer book, that's in Switzerland, where they spawn in the deepest holes of the lake at 500 feet, 170 metres. Buckland said that the burbot is a pest as it takes so many of the young of other fish, and they seem to have so few natural enemies. Buckland said that the burbot leave the lake at night, searching the rivers that feed into the lake for food. And during the day, the burbot hides under rocks or mud. Perhaps the burbot was partly responsible for the extinction of a deep-water trout, an endemic species found only in Lake Neuchatel that lived in the great depths that only reached about the fish, the, the trout, only reached about 15 inches or uh, 15 centimetres or 6 inches in length. There were only three specimens known that were caught in 1896, 1902 and 1904. Research undertaken to find evidence of this trout in the 1950s and 2003 failed to find any evidence of its survival. The book by Herbert Maxwell published in 1898 called British Freshwater Fish for me is the best of the British Freshwater Fish books published at that time. Maxwell explained the origins of the name being from the French barbot, 
the bearded fellow from the Latin barber, a beard. This comes from the long wattle or barbel that hangs from the fish's chin. The alternative name eel pout comes from the old Saxon word, iliaputin, from the alleged power of the fish to puff out or pout its head, or fat eel. Maxwell goes on to describe in some detail the makeup of the fish and concludes that it's a plastic creature in that it can adapt its structure to the means of substances as the fish of over 30 pounds or 10 kilograms have been fished from the River Rhine in Germany. The habitats are as previously described but Maxwell says the fish is often caught in fishing nets left out at night in eel baskets. The point is also made that when engaged in reproduction, the burbots assemble in numbers and lie closely entwined with each other at the bottom of the water, and that they can live equally well in running water and still water. In fact, they live wherever eels lived. Maxwell asks why this fish is restricted only to the rivers previously mentioned, and why is not the burbot at home in the River Trent, but absent from the River Thames? which geologists hold to be the oldest river, once a tributary of the River Rhine, where burbots were common. Maxwell does not include any instance of Mr. Keane, I beg your pardon, Maxwell does include an instance of a Mr. Keane claiming to have caught a burbot near Weybridge on the River Wye, a tributary of the River Thames, that weighed half a pound. Keane said that none of the people in the neighbourhood had ever seen such a fish before. It's possible that a single individual may have made its way to the Thames watershed through canals. But when researching further, Maxwell found evidence that the burbot was once indigenous to the River Thames and its tributaries. Another possible reason for the burbot being called at Weybridge being people trying to introduce them to the Thames water system. Frank Buckland is known to have introduced four burbot to the River Wandle in the Thames catchment area as he admitted in 1873. The River Wandle is a relatively shallow river, and I would have thought unsuitable for a burbot to survive, especially during Victorian times. I remember my history lessons at school, about the water that Jack drinks, about the River Thames, or the water quality of the River Thames at the time of Maxwell and Buckland. Also today, with Thames Water Authority discharging sewage every so often, killing any stocks of fish that may have tried to recolonise it. The brown trout have tried to recolonise the River Wandle, but have often been killed by pollution spills, thanks to the Thames Water. The Book of Fishing with Hook and Lie by Maskell, from 1590, referenced by Maxwell, described a fish called the Pult, which looks like a whiting and seems to refer to the burbot being found in the fens of Lincolnshire at, as far as to the River Thames. He also calls them fen pult. They are often caught in eel baskets and are so plentiful they are fed to the pigs. Maxwell concedes that the burbot is no longer found in the Thames, but can give no logical reason, although as said it was heavy polluted during Ma uh, Maxwell's time. The Southampton report found evidence of burbot bones in the Thames area. Maxwell also warned that the burbot and the pike are hosts of a parasitic worm which cause great distress to anyone who eats the fish raw, as is the custom in some countries in uh, Scandinavia and parts of Russia. This is a species of tapeworm and in extreme cases can cause the death of the host.
It's often surprising what can exist in, in uh, seemingly small river streams. I was going to a council dump in a small town called Burgess Hill, West Sussex, in 2004. The river authorities were clearing a small brook that ran past the dump. I thought there was no fish living there, as it was so shallow. Granted, there were a few deeper pools. The flow of the water was weak, and items of rubbish had been discarded in the small stream. Bushes and trees cover the stream for much of its length. I only knew there was a stream there by a road bridge. As I am curious, I parked my car and walked across the field to where some people were stunning fish. I think they were carrying out some sort of survey, probably a training exercise, as there seemed to be a a few younger people involved, seemingly students. I wasn't impressed at the mortality rates of small fish. I was surprised that gudgeon were in the stream, but the uh, stunning seemed to kill most of them off. What surprised me was the range of different species. Brown trout, chub, minnows, roach, eels, bullhead, gudgeon. There may have been more species, although I'm sure there was no burbot. What was surprising was the size of the fish. The brown trout would have made a substantial meal. Another newspaper article from 1958 asks, Does the burbot survive in Norfolk? The article claims that the last burbot caught in Norfolk was a two-pound, two-ounce, about a kilogram, caught by the well-known Yarmouth angular R.R.B. Norman at the Burney Arms on the River Yar, where it enters Braden Water in the 1870s. The article goes on to mention A.H. Patterson. Apparently he lived from 1857 to 1935. And it said that Patterson never came across a live example of a burbot in his life, despite the burbot being known to live in the River Yar in the Norwich area, and the fish living in the river's burt in the Waveney up to the middle of the 19th century. And in the 19th century, it was considered not uncommon in the River Tet and its tributaries. And it was still found there in the early 20th century, last recorded in the River Lark in 1914. There was an angler known locally as John Lansong. He fished the Great River Ouse system during the 1960s and was known to have caught burbot. Cottington Lode in Cambridgeshire and the Old West River were both places where he caught the fish. Chris Yates was a journalist that made a BBC Radio 4 programme for the 2004 Christmas schedule about the burbot, called The Case of the Lost Burbot. Chris Yates was a well-known fisherman and naturalist. He attempted to catch a fish on the River Derwent for the radio programme, obviously doomed to fail, and he gave an amusing rundown on the history of the burbot in the UK. I remember listening to it at the time, but can find nothing of his existence on the internet now. If the burbot does still exist in the UK at the present time, it would probably be found in one of three counties, Cambridgeshire, Norfolk or Yorkshire. That's my bet. Specimens can still be seen in pickling jars in some museums or universities. In the Natural History Museum in London, there's about 30 specimens from around Europe. Kingsling 1908 is the most recent UK specimen, which is about a foot long. Woolerton Hall in Nottinghamshire, which is a Natural History Museum, has a couple of cased 
taxidermy burbots which were caught in the River Trent in the 1920s. A tackle shop in York had a specimen that was caught at Stamford Bridge. And there had been a case burbot that was stolen with a number of other case fish from the York uh, Fishing HQ back in the 1980s. Well, that was the podcast on the burbot. I hope you enjoyed it. I would like to thank Damselfly for providing the background music. The next podcast will be um, a paranormal uh, podcast for Halloween. And I will thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'll say goodbye. Goodbye.